All right, welcome to January 23rd on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. I am your host, Joseph DeCristoforo. Changes are happening to this show. I've been doing it a few years now, and despite the fact that I provide as much original content to keep it from getting stale, it's time for me to expand it to my YouTube channel. I'm playing around and researching various video editing software options, and I think I'm starting to narrow in on one. If I don't completely screw this up, it should be running hopefully in the next few weeks or so. Bear with me on that. I am also thinking about a name change. Since the word lesson probably sounds frightening to some people filtering their search options. What do you think about the name Joe's Daily American Freedoms? Hmm? Let me know on the Facebook page. Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. And thanks for that, you great patriotic listener. And now, let's begin the show as we customarily do with the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's everybody stand up, face the flags, put our right hands over our hearts, and begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen, brothers and sisters. And now on to today's headlines. North Korea seizes the Pueblo, plus the Nanawa campaign begins... The A-Team debuts, and we'll talk about hockey news with the Detroit Red Wings. All right, so now let's do this. 1968, North Korea seizes the Pueblo. President Lyndon Johnson had just given his State of the Union speech a week prior to the beginning of what would become the Pueblo Crisis, which is where North Koreans seized the U.S. spy ship and her 83 men crew in their waters. This also happened a week before the Tet Offensive, which was the largest attack of the Vietnam War, so President Uncle Cornpon's foreign policy wasn't looking very pretty. On January 23rd, the Pueblo, armed with the day's latest technology in communication and decryption, was attacked and seized, and the crew was held in captivity for almost a year. Johnson had considered using nuclear attacks in order to get the hostages back, but instead focused on the Tet Offensive. North Korea claimed the ship was in its waters, but the U.S. stated it was not, and any proof that North Korea had stating otherwise had been fabricated. In December 1968, commander of the vessel, Captain Lloyd Bucher, reluctantly agreed to sign a confession that his ship was on an intelligence-gathering mission and that they were spying on North Korea prior to the ship's seizure. This satisfied North Korean leader Kim Il-sung, who shared this propaganda victory with the rest of the world. A picture was taken of the crew, and one of the crewmen named Stu Russell found out that the North Koreans didn't know what giving someone the middle finger meant, and claimed that for all the forest photos, the crew would flip off the camera. That's awesome. The propaganda Sung thought he had well-deserved actually backfired on him in the eyes of China and the USSR, who felt that holding American hostages for so long was being extreme and only damaged North Korea's relation with them. But it didn't backfire on Sung so much as it did on LBJ, whose popularity with American people, not just due to the Tet Offensive, but to the Pueblo Crisis, seriously dropped. 2017. Senator Booker uses a fake Ben Franklin quote to criticize President Trump. 
Democratic New Jersey Senator Cory Booker tweeted, It is the first responsibility of every citizen to question authority, misquoting the prophet of tolerance himself, Benjamin Franklin. I know this is not a significant event in American history, and there are more important things I could be talking about. Besides, fake quotes are used all the time, and it's annoyingly irresponsible. Democrats do it, and so do Republicans, as I mentioned on my September 21st ep, when Vice President Mike Pence misquoted Thomas Jefferson. And it has to stop. That's why I bring it up. Look, if you're not sure if Franklin said it or not, I would suggest checking his autobiography. Or, better yet, a copy of Poor Richard's Almanac. If you don't already have one, let me know, and I will get you one. Just like I did for my friend Zendy Rose, who asked for one. Thanks for listening, Zendy. And all she had to do was ask. So yeah, there are a lot of fake quotes from Ben Franklin floating around out there. One of the most common ones you may have heard is regarding specie. Fake quote. Creating ourselves our own paper money, we control its purchasing power, and we have no interest to pay to no one. Unfake quote. That was in reference to the government. And nowhere in his autobiography does it say that. So yeah, it happens. But Senator Booker was way off on this one. As TheBlaze.com points out, the Newton of electricity did not use words like question authority. He just didn't talk that way. No, no, no. Franklin would have said something like, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Question authority. <laughs> Finally, in good news, 1983, The A-Team debuts on TV. A Peter Food goes home crying to his mama. Ah, yes, great show. Face, Murdoch, Hannibal, and B.A. I like gas. Some things you gotta know about Mr. T. Did you know, for instance, that he invented fools? And then realizing the magnitude of his folly, he then created pity. It's time to quit jammering before I start hammering. True story. Mr. T speaks only when necessary. His main form of communication is folding his arms and slowly shaking his head. And believe me, regardless of the situation, he is always understood. Hey man, this time we're gonna do it my way. Look. Google doesn't allow you to search for Mr. T because it knows you don't find Mr. T, he finds you. Tall, big, beautiful, and strong. Once Mr. T and Superman fought each other on a bet, the loser would have to start wearing his underwear on the outside of his pants. He's wearing the b-boy look. Thank you, jokesforus.com, for that. I still think that the Chuck Norris jokes are funnier than the Mr. T jokes. 2016, Thompson hits 37 buckets in one quarter. Clay was feeling it that night. During the third quarter of a Golden State Warrior 126-101 home victory against the Sacramento Kings, Clay Thompson, who once played chess against the great chess mastermind himself, Magnus Carlsen, was unstoppable on this night in 2016. You want to know what the record is for the most points scored in one quarter? Then watch the YouTube highlights of this game because the answer is 37. Clay Thompson, 13 for 13 from the field, 9 for 9 from deep, including a 28-footer and 2 for 2 free throws. Definitely worth watching again.
And so that, my friends, is going to wrap it up for January 23rd on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Once again, I'm your host, Joseph DiCristoforo. Check out the website, joesdailyushistorylesson.com, as well as the Facebook page. Let me know what your take is on today's episode. For instance, what about the Pueblo crisis? Was that controversial enough for you? And if not, what about Stu Russell flipping the bird? Talk about cojones. Good stuff. Ben Franklin fans. What do you think is the most misleading fake quote? Or what about the A-Team? Who was your favorite character? I think it's well assumed that mine was B.A. Have you YouTubed that game between the Warriors and the Kings? I'm from Sacramento originally, so I'm a big Kings fan. It hurts for me to have to talk about it. But I gotta admit, it was epic. But yeah, let me know what you think. And while you're on the website, you can take a shot at some of the multiple choice quizzes. So good luck with those. Be sure to check out tomorrow's program. I'll talk about the gold rush, canned beer, rubber heels for shoes, the Eskimo pie, and because it is that time of year after all, Super Bowl news. So don't miss that. So until then, my friends, thanks for listening and thanks for being great patriotic Americans. And we will see you tomorrow.